Welcome back to the Flourish and Thrive podcast. And today I get to chat with the amazing Amy Hume from Amy Hume Wellness and Chiquitos. Amy is an absolute beast when it comes to advocating for women's health and our overall holistic well-being. In this episode, we chat about everything from menopause to hormones, and we even dive into how our childhood traumas can impact our eating habits. So get ready to be inspired and enlightened as we delve into the world of holistic well-being and self-discovery with the incredible Amy Hume. Welcome to the Flourish and Thrive podcast. I'm your host, Donna Evans, a certified life coach and Reiki master dedicated to empowering women to become the very best versions of themselves. Join me on this transformative journey as we explore life's challenges, cultivate resilience, and unlock the keys to personal growth and holistic well-being. Each episode is a heartfelt conversation, a burst of inspiration, and a guide to living a life filled with purpose joy, and self-discovery. Together, we'll navigate the complexities of life, embrace our inner strength, and flourish in every aspect of our journey. So grab your favorite cup of tea or coffee, find a cozy spot, and let's embark on this empowering adventure together. It's time to flourish and thrive. Hi guys, welcome back. Uh, Today I am interviewing the beautiful Amy Hume and she is a passionate advocate for women's health. And Amy is not just a women's nutritional coach. She is a transformative force that helps women feel normal again with a focus on balancing hormones and restoring your metabolic health. Amy is also the founder of Amy Hume Wellness and she ketos and she goes beyond traditional wellness practices. Her approach is unique and Amy guides her clients to listen to the physiological responses of their bodies to nutrition and lifestyle. She believes that true health is a full circle endeavor intertwining the connection between the body and the spirit. And her mission is not just about healing. It's about rediscovering and embracing the essence of well-being. Amy holds a license in holistic nutrition and earned her diploma from Nutriforia, but her commitment to holistic wellness doesn't stop there. And she's also a certified life coach, allowing success coach, and ensures a comprehensive approach to her clients' well-being. So Amy, thank you so, so much for being here today. I really, um, you know, behind the scenes, you and I have met on a mastermind And, um, I don't know, I just felt like there was such a connection with all the women on that mastermind and we, beyond that, we've started another endeavor together, which we'll talk about before the end of the podcast, but so welcome, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy you're here. I am so excited that welcome intro was incredible. (laughs) Um, you don't always just like hear, (laughs) <laughs> all those all the, things put together all, those all the good, good things, things put together yeah well if you need uh, me to like i'm just, just gonna receive that in the morning and be like hey amy here's your intro <laughs> for the day like I think we all need that like welcome here's donna she's getting out of bed and look she's <laughs> look how amazing she is look at the things she's done and yes. what she does for women 
Yeah. Yes. So cool. <laughs> Maybe we should record our own intro for the day and we could just listen to that. That would be like a really right? good little, like this uh, is this is how much of a badass we are. Right. Like exactly. just a reminder in the morning of our badassery. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell us how you got started on your journey with nutrition and wellness and give us your story. Um, it's super funny because my mom will say like my obsession with nutrition is genetic. Um, cause my grandpa was always the guy that was like, eat the real butter. Margarine is going to kill you, you know? <laughs> and this is like 20, 30 years ago from the time I was a little kid. Like he, hmm. he just had this innate knowing that this processed food wasn't right for our bodies. And so fast forward from being a small child to much older, me and my husband are going through infertility and, as much as I had dabbled in nutrition, when we hit that diagnosis of infertility and were able to able to become parents, I knew that the answer was to dig into nutrition. And that is what we did. And as we learned how to heal our body, for us, we found that an autoimmune style ketogenic diet transformed our hormones, transformed how we felt, transformed our body, and we were finally able to become parents. And after having our kids, I went back to school and I got my diploma in holistic nutrition and started helping people, women specifically, I'm passionate about helping women uh, learn how to, some of them get pregnant, some of them release their body from autoimmune issues, some of them like weight loss and mood and hormone balance. Metabolic health is a huge passion of mine uh, because it just keeps getting worse and the advice stays the same. And that is really frustrating to me. So I'm trying to be this force in the world that says we need to look differently at your metabolic health. As Donna said, like I do things not quite like your average holistic nutritionist would do things. Um, I am radical. I believe the most important thing that we need to do is get the inflammation off your body because once we do that, everything else can start to come back to alignment. We can figure out how your body wants to be fed by getting back that connection with a body that's no longer stuck in emergency mode. And yeah. So anyways, I think that's a rundown. I am very passionate about nutrition. It's my hobby. It's my job. Um, my husband loves it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, husband, you know what I learned today? No, I don't know if I want to. <laughs> So, so you and I both know, like I, I'm a Reiki practitioner. And so I know that you, have, you and I've talked about this before and about how, you know, you go through trauma in life and how shit gets stuck in your body. I mean, like that energy, like just gets stuck in your body sometimes and it doesn't process through and that energy can kind of cause issues down the road. And I, how do you think, I mean, like as far as nutrition and, you know, that, that kind of chi or energy kind of flows through the body. How do you, how do you think that that kind of flows together as far as from a nutritional standpoint, I guess? Um, I think that when we go through trauma in, our, especially in our young years, a lot of us were fed food when we were emotional. Uh, so our parents 
when we were sad, let's go get an ice cream cone. You know, like there was a lot of ways that our family, instead of connecting with us on that emotional level, what they knew how to do was to give you food. Mm -hmm. And so when we're in those years where we should be learning about connecting to those emotions, we're already kind of being told to shush up, let's go get an ice cream cone. And so we're pushing down these traumas really that should be talked out with people, right? Mm -hmm. That should be moved out of our body and we're pushing them down and using food often. So as we get older and we're not learning how to manage our emotions, but what we did learn was to continue to eat them. We head into these adult years where we have this unhealthy relationship with not only our emotions, but also with food. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting because the emotion that we feel in our body isn't often connected to a memory. And that's really the problem is that like we can start to feel triggered and our body's response is that memory of going to eat. It doesn't go into, oh, I felt this way in the past, or I have this, this deep like memory, like emotion that needs to be processed that this situation is dealing, like triggering in us. Mm -hmm. And we're on fire, right? Like when we have all these suppressed emotions, like our body is in a trauma state, like it's stuck in trauma because we haven't moved those emotions out. Like our bodies are only so big. So every time, you know, something small, like I'm going to quote unquote small or big happens, we quickly trigger and enter, go from being like semi-regulated to dysregulated and having to find coping mechanisms because our body's just already too packed with the junk. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel like, I feel like, you know, a lot of the women that, um, that I, I work with are going through a divorce or have been through divorce and, you know, we've all gone through major traumas in our life or, um, you know, we have a little PTSD or big, big PTSD or little PTSD, whatever it is. But from a divorce um, perspective, I know that, you know, like you see women going through, you see them, they're on the divorce diet, right? So they lose all this weight and it's mostly probably pertaining to stress. And I've found, you know, like I did the same thing. I, I went through the divorce diet where I like didn't eat much and I was like, I lost a ton of weight. But I also ended up gaining it all back because I also stress eat at the same time. Like, you know, when I'm, I, I either go from one end of the spectrum under stress or the other end. And um, do you see that a lot in some of your clients as well? I've worked with a couple of clients that are like recently post-divorce and there is this drive almost to prove to that man that they're still like lovable or that what they lost was super hot and sexy, right? Mm -hmm. They don't see I'll show that him. in themselves, right? <laughs> I'll show him. Yeah. And the reality is, is like, that's not a sustaining force, right? Like as you heal from that relationship, that desire to, you know, show him leaves, right? It's not like a motivator that's going to last forever. Mm -hmm. And so I think again, like you come out of this relationship kind of realizing you're going to have to date again. And like, I'm going to show him what he, what he lost, mm -hmm. but then those things kind of settle down and we're still stuck with the emotions. 
we're still stuck with the old habits. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because one of the most common times for divorce, like the highest prevalence of divorce is during women's like menopausal years because they change so much in that time, which I think is really interesting um, for a couple of reasons. One, like if your hormones are out of balance, we go a little crazy, right? Like we go a little mm-hmm. nuts. Um, and then number two, it also seems to be the time where women start to stand in their own power, mm-hmm. right? And so both of those can be really disruptive energies. But yeah, coming out the other side of divorce, back to that. Yeah, I just think that that that's not a, a loving act. Like that weight loss wasn't an act of love for your body. It was like an act of spite. Mm-hmm. And so after the weight comes back on again, because when we are being extrinsically motivated from this external factor instead of intrinsically motivated it's a lot harder to keep momentum and keep the focus yeah yeah with that um you know i'm sure that there are some women out there that are working on their diet or trying to you know like it's still the beginning of the year and most people's you know uh <laughs> most people all the 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 new year's resolutions that they set have already been gone by the wayside, but I know that there's probably some people that are out there working on that. So what do you say to people that feel like they've fallen off the wagon of nutritional, you know, like I, even if it's just a small thing, like I'm not going to go on a diet, but I'm going to try to eat more healthy. Um, how, how do you, um, coach people through that question of like, Oh, I've, I had a bad day yesterday and I ate like crazy. And I, I mean, I was the same way. I had a piece of cheesecake last night and, <laughs> and I've been doing so good. <laughs> Just a piece of cheesecake. I think that if there was like one real good, like resolution that you could make is starting the day with only one expectation of yourself. And that's to have an affirmation statement that you say to yourself that today I'm going to learn how to take better care of my body. Like just saying that every day, because what we do all the time is we go on the plan and off the plan. I'm going to start again Monday. Mm -hmm. Like instead of saying, um, you know, and we give ourselves like these 950 rules to follow. And then when we don't follow one, we failed. And the reality is, is you don't fail until you quit. Yeah. Until you quit. So if you can just wake up every day and say, I'm going to do my best job that I can today to take care of my body, whatever that means. I think that that's step one is just getting intentional on saying it is important to me that I take care of my body. My body is valuable to me. And then from there, like you're not going to be perfect, right? Mm -hmm. Like all the other rules, like I can put guidelines in place and I like thinking of, nutritional rules as boundaries because I think this is really important in saying like this is my like this is what I can do right now to take care of my body and then outside of these bumpers which might be outside that is where it becomes unacceptable where it becomes disrespectful to my body and to myself because like if you had a boss and they said like this is a project that you had due at this time you would do everything in your power to meet that project but there's something that a lot of women disconnect from. And that's like that self-accountability, that self-respect that says like, if the project is my health, like what are the steps I have to take to have like that project completed? 
Yeah. You know, and what are those boundaries? Like I know for myself, like the foods that my body really hates. So I'm going to have a pretty strict boundary on eating those things, right? Yeah. Like I, they're not going to be something that just like seeps into my everyday. Yeah. Now that doesn't mean come like a birthday that I might not have cake, you know, or whatever. It's full of things that my body doesn't like. I'm probably still going to have it on that day, but I've created that boundary and then that acceptance for myself. Um, but if we just say every day, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to do my best to take care of this body because I love it. I think that we're on the right step, the, the right track. Yeah. And then not holding a grudge because when you fall off plan, when you don't meet the plan, then that's an opportunity for self-reflection. It's an opportunity for you to explore that shadow side, your triggers, the trauma. What drove me to this place where I felt like the only solution was to have this food? And oftentimes, I say this a lot, is when I was very much like reliant on food to manage my emotions, I would be eating the food before I had that emotion. Like that food would be in my mouth before I could even recognize there was an emotion there. It was almost like I needed that food to soothe myself enough to feel mm -hmm. the emotion. And yeah. if that's where you are, then that's okay. But get curious as to why you chose to do something that's out of alignment with what you want right now. Yeah. I like that. I like that too. And I like thinking of it too. You said something in there about um, taking care of your body and when you when you kind of disassociate yourself from like the spiritual from the physical and you think about, you know, like this is like, you know, we're women, we're nurturers. We want to take care of things. We want to take care of people, you know, little people, big people, whatever it is. And if we think of this physical body as just something that we have to take care of versus like, oh, I hate the way I look today or I hate, you know, the removing the eye from the physical body. Um, I feel like that's an easier way for women to like understand like, oh, I just, it's just something I need to take care of. I just need to take care of my body versus thinking that it's like you, you know, instead of mm -hmm. thinking that, that you're disassociating yourself from that. So um, how does nutrition impact the mind body connection and what strategies can women start to incorporate to support both their mental and physical health? I think that the science is coming out around mental health right now and your nervous system regulation is pointing to nutrition having a much larger role than previously thought. And um, this was probably my favorite section in my schooling when I was learning about the mind-body-mood connection and how nutrition plays such a vital role. So we have to look at that nutrition of faceted because it really is two different things so number one is our happy hormones like we have to go into the science like i want to say i could sit here and say like yeah we can reiki through bad emotions and all of a sudden your brain's gonna feel good but the reality is is that in order for your body to make those feel good things like we have happy hormones and neurotransmitters mm -hmm. for our body to make them it needs resources like this is like the science of it is it needs good, healthy fats. It needs omega-3s. It needs like amino acids, it needs vitamins and minerals, magnesium. It needs certain things in order to make those happy hormones and neurotransmitters. So for 
nutrient deficient, it can be really hard for our brain to allow us to feel good or our body to allow us to feel good in, in our mood and in our energy. And then the other side of the coin is we are doing a lot of things in our modern lifestyle that actually deplete that, that stuff, like all the good stuff, because the good stuff is made from the same stuff as our emergency stuff. Okay. So like cortisol, um, excess adrenaline, too much insulin, like excess insulin, they're all going to be taking from the resources needed to make like the happy stuff. And so when we're constantly eating foods that are causing inflammation and huge spikes in our blood sugar, the ups and the downs and the crashes, we are depleting our body's ability to make the good stuff. And then we're driving up inflammation, which has a huge impact in our brain. So our brain is like jam packed. And so when we add inflammation into it, right, like we're, mm -hmm. it's, becomes more difficult for it to work and communicate and can have this huge impact like on our ability to make decisions. It can leave us in a stress response. So I talked earlier about regulated, dysregulated. So when your body is well-fed and you're feeding it the right foods that makes it happy and allows it to thrive emotionally, physically, it's way easier to be regulated because your body's going to settle into that zone. And when you have, you know, a stressful moment, it's not going to push you, push you as easily into dysregulated. But if you're in an inflammatory state already because of the food choices you're making and something stressful happens, well, you're sitting already at the top end of regulated, like barely regulated. And just something little happens, right? Like mm -hmm. if you're like your kid, you know, spills milk or you stub your toe or your boss says something a little bit off, but not, not really, but maybe, and your brain just flips into dysregulated, right? And then that sends you seeking for whatever your coping strategy is because you're yeah. dysregulated. And the more you're dysregulated, the more you're coping. And if that's yeah. food, the more that's going to work against you. That makes so much sense. And then you, when you mentioned before talking about a lot of women going through menopause and, you know, like there's already so much going on in your body with menopause and hormones and everything already. And then you throw in, you know, a completely unbalanced nutritional, <laughs> it's, it's a hot mess all waiting to happen. I, I have to say, I have to say, this has to come in here because menopause isn't supposed to be a hot mess. Yeah. Right. Just like yeah. when you're having a cycle, if your periods are painful, super heavy, not regular, you get PMS, like that is not normal. Like um, mother earth, universe source, whatever you believe did not design the human body to suffer once a month. Yeah. Like that was not the design of it. You know, like I think there was supposed to be like an embracing of the cycle. When we go back into like ancient cultures, there is an embracing of that part of being woman. And then, you know, modern religion came and made like your period, something dirty. Mm -hmm. And then nutrition changed a lot in a way that doesn't work with our bodies. And we started seeing infertility, painful periods, you know, signs of hormonal dysregulation 
And now women get to be crazy for five to 10 years, like (laughs) depending on the length of like their perimenopause and menopause, like, no, we were not designed like this. Yeah. And this is because we're not eating as we were designed. Yeah. So what nutritional advice do you have for women that are navigating those hormonal shifts? Like as they're going through those types of things. And this is why I'm so passionate about metabolic health because in the presence of excess insulin, which means you're spiking your blood sugar, it is impossible to have healthy sex hormones. It's not, they, they don't go together. And the reality is, is the hormone shifts that happen during menopause makes your body more insulin resistant. So as you continue to eat foods that are spiking your blood sugar, you're just making things worse because your body's not responding to insulin the way it used to. This is why people put on weight during menopause and perimenopause because how their body, like insulin is your fat storage hormone. And if your body's resistant to it, your body has to make more and more to get the cells to open up and take the sugar out of the bloodstream. And so the most important thing that you can do in this time of, of your life is to regulate your insulin, is to learn how to eat slow carb or low carb or keto, obviously, because that's what works for my body. So I have to say like, those are the options, but what you want to avoid is spiking your blood sugar Mm -hmm. and you want to give it time to stay low throughout the day. And that's going to have a huge impact on how you navigate menopause and whether you gain the menopause I don't know how many, 30 pounds. It's quite a few. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So let's talk about keto. You just mentioned keto and keto is something that I tried um, and it worked well for me and I loved it. Um, it, and I, I did, I guess, what's the, the easy, easy keto, dirty. I guess the dirty keto, you know, like <laughs> I wasn't like really, I didn't never feel like I was truly keto. My mom was worried to death about me because she'd heard negative things. And she was like, you've just lost too much weight. And I was like, I'm not even really full keto. Like I'm not, I'm not waiting till my body gets into ketosis. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm still eating a little bit of carbs, you know, like I'm not full, you know, a full on keto, but Talk about that a little bit, because I know there's a lot of women out there that have heard about keto and then they might have heard negative things about it. And I know that that's something that works for your body. It's definitely something that kind of worked for my body, even though I didn't feel like I was doing it 100%. But I do feel like that it was it was helpful. So what is you don't have to do it for 100%. Low carb works like just as well as keto like in your body as going to full ketosis. I choose ketosis because I like the way ketones make me feel. So ketones, when we go into the state of ketosis, which for most women is 25 grams of carbs or less, depending on how active you are, um, your body makes ketones. And what ketones are is an alternate fuel source to carbohydrates and your body makes them from your fat. So your liver takes your body's fat and turns them into ketones, which can fuel your brain, your cells, your muscles. And basically you have a never ending supply of energy. And I love that because I don't have my energy slumps that I have when I'm relying on carbs for fuel, because my body's no longer looking for that next meal for energy. It just, oh, we need some, 
some more juice. Let's just pull out of the body. Mm -hmm. uh, and that works really well. And the other thing I love about ketones is they're naturally an anti-inflammatory agent in your body. So it's like taking Advil all day, every day. The ketones are just running around your body, making sure that you don't have chronic inflammation, which is this, another huge thing when we're looking at balancing our hormones, because inflammation drives up cortisol, drives up your, your stress response. So for keto, um, I have a client who says, I came for the vanity, but I stayed for the sanity because of how well it allows her brain to function. The brain fog leaves, the memory's better, the energy's better, the mood is better. And, and that's ultimately what keeps me coming back to keto. Um, weight loss is great. I My body loses weight best in a ketogenic state. It won't lose weight, actually, even in like moderate carb. It's like, we're good. Um, yeah. So for me, like keto, it has been like the savior for my brain. And I'm that's why I keep coming back to it. I tried vegan, mod, I think it was like, and it didn't work for my body. I've it's tried like hard. everything. Yeah, mm -hmm. I've tried everything. Paleo did pretty good. But when I look back at my paleo, it was pretty close to keto you know? <laughs> and, um, yeah, so whole foods has been really good. The thing with keto is I believe in whole food keto. I don't teach like dirty keto is as like your normal mm -hmm. because the second thing that we really need to be conscious of is inflammation. And are we causing inflammation and is it dangerous? So the cholesterol thing has been debunked for like 14 years now, right? Mm -hmm. Like high fat, saturated fats do not cause high cholesterol. Cholesterol, like 85% of the cholesterol in your body is made by your body. So mm -hmm. your body, for whatever reason, has decided that it needs that for it, for you to have too much cholesterol. Okay. So when you have cholesterol in your body, I guess we're going to go. So when you go to the hospital with a heart attack, only like one in four people actually have high cholesterol. Okay. Okay. So high cholesterol actually doesn't equal heart disease. We need to like remove that from our brain. What yeah. equals heart disease is inflammation. So inflammation and high insulin is what actually causes your cholesterol to turn into placking. So if you don't have high insulin, you don't have placking. Um, so a diabetic, if they were to always inject their insulin into the same place in their arm, they would get hardening in that arteries around that spot, because that's what insulin does. When yeah. you have insulin in your bloodstream, it makes cholesterol harden. And so is the problem, the cholesterol, like, no, right. We, we need cholesterol. Cholesterol is in every cell of your body. Like every cell of your body is coated in cholesterol and all of your good hormones in your body, all those juicy sex hormones are cholesterol based. Like we need cholesterol. And so anyways, I don't, I don't fear keto by any stretch of the imagination. And I know that by getting like my, keeping my insulin down, it doesn't truly matter. Like what my cholesterol is. My cholesterol is fine by the way, but <laughs> some people have high cholesterol like, and that's just their bodies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, good. I'll tell my mom. <laughs> and we need to say like, 
if your body feels good, like this is like the most important message. Mm-hmm. Do keto. And if it feels good, awesome. And if it doesn't feel good, then don't do keto. Right. Right. Like our bodies know. Yeah. And, and honestly, like that was the best I felt even, you know, my entire life. Like I, I felt so good about my body. I felt good. You know, like I was, has had so much more energy. I just felt more clarity. I was like all the things. And, um, and then, you know, as what happens, something, uh, there was a huge, big upset in my family. And, um, when that occurred, I started stress eating again and, you know, like shoving, you know, donuts in my mouth, like there was no tomorrow and eating chocolate like crazy. And, you know, I wanted all the sweets to kind of cope with all that. So, so yeah, (laughs) back to all the things that you just said. So, and then it goes back to those emotions, right? So one of the, like, I think the most difficult things I can do, I do with my clients is helping them understand and resolve why they keep turning to food. Mm-hmm. Like it is really easy to give you like a set of rules to follow, to get the inflammation down and to get like your insulin under control. Like those are easy. Those are rules that are pretty standard for most people. What becomes hard is helping people recognize that when they're eating off of the plan, that they are hurting themselves. Right. Yeah. And we call it stress eating, but it's more shame eating. Yeah. There's this shame response being activated, in a, especially once it becomes not just like a one-time event, but like this like continual thing. Yeah. I would argue that your shame cycle was activated and yeah. that we need to touch back into that. And I say that because I am also someone who has lost weight, gained weight, lost weight, gained weight. And I've used keto to lose weight and get down to, you know, I think 200 pounds is the lowest I've been as an adult. Um and I didn't love myself. I didn't get to this place where I love myself. And it wasn't like all of a sudden the world loved me too. And so then my unlovable cycle was activated and I was like, well, if I'm not lovable anyways, like, why don't I just eat food? You know, like, why does it matter? Um, and I let my emotions like take it all away. Like, you know, and I, and I dealt with some mental health stuff and I have had to go, like I've done like, holistic healing. I've done like Reiki and plant medicine ceremonies. And I've worked with therapists to try and understand like why I keep choosing to hurt myself with food. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I have this huge, like hope for my life is to live to hundred. I think that would be so cool. And I want to be able to like raise, like be part of like raising my grandkids and support my, my kids and be here with them for, I just, you know, I love life. Like, even though it's hard sometimes, like I love being here. And when I make choices that hurt my body, that's like hurting, like a big dream of mine. That's like, so why do I do that? Mm -hmm. Um, and really part of getting to this place where we can recognize that it's important to me, like it as a boundary to feed my body well is to align with our values of wellness because lots of people think that wellness is something that they want for themselves. But when they sit down with it and ask them, like, what am I actually willing to do to be healthy? They might realize like they don't actually want wellness. Like that's something somebody else wants, you know, it's like what Pinterest. Someone told you, told you that you needed to do. 
Yeah. So like question one, do you love yourself as you are? And do you love what you're doing? And do you feel good enough in your body to, to keep feeling this way for the next however many years of your life left? And if you're totally okay with it, like, then don't let anybody tell you any different. Yeah. I love that. But if you're sitting that. here and saying, I want to climb mountains, I want to do some like more things with my body than I'm able to do right now. And that is important to me. Then when you have behaviors that don't align with that value, you have to dig into that emotion. You have to journal, you have to shadow work. You need to find the right person to talk it out with. Yeah. And figure out like, why are you standing in your own way? Awesome. So, um, are there some, you know, everybody's busy. Are there some practical tips that you can, you suggest to incorporate nutrition into a busy lifestyle? Yeah. So don't make it complicated, honestly, like don't make a fancy meal every day and have something different for breakfast every day, right? Like meal prep if you have to. Um, but I think one of the most important practices that we can get into is conscious eating. So that means even if it's a standard meal time, like it's supper time, so we all know you're eating because it's supper, Mm -hmm. taking a pause before you put anything in your mouth and saying, why am I eating this? The answer might be because it's supper time or I'm hungry and saying like, is this food that I'm choosing to put in my body serving my body or hurting my body? Right. So asking yourself those two questions, it doesn't have to change whether or not you eat that food. I just want you to be conscious of it. Right. So if you are feeling stressed out and there's a box of chocolates, I just want you to be able to say before you put it in your mouth, I'm eating this because I'm stressed out. Yeah. And no, it might not be great for my body, but this is what I have to do right now. And just be honest about it. Learning Mm -hmm. to have that consciousness and honesty with what you're putting in your body, why it's going into your body before it goes into your body. Because one of the problems that we all face, a lot of us anyways, especially if you've been overweight, is that automatic eating. Like I said, like I can make it all the way through McDonald's drive-thru and have that burger in my mouth before I realize like what I've done and why I'm doing it. Yeah. And so how do I change it so that my food choices become conscious, right? And, and honest. Cause I can say like, you know, like I'm going to eat this pumpkin pie cause it's Christmas. I know it doesn't work for my body. Right. Like, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Like I can say that. Um, but the next like three days later and there's still pumpkin pie leftovers will be like, Oh, well, you know, it just doesn't, we don't want to throw pumpkin pie away. You better eat that. <laughs> like, no, I'm eating it because I'm bored or I'm having an emotion because I know it doesn't work well for my body. Um, yeah. yeah, So just getting conscious about the choices that you make and then not making it hard. It's only hard if you make it hard. Like I know food can get really boring, but if we are relying on food to fulfill like our entertainment need in our life, then that might be a sign that you need to diversify. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Make it easy. Yeah. Um, so as you know, I reached out to some of my community and asked them if they had questions for you. And one of the questions was about fasting. 
And actually, that was kind of one of the ones that I wanted to ask about, too, because fasting is another thing that worked for me, worked really well for me. Uh, but this person individually asked about uh, they were told to go on a four day fast and they wanted to find out what that would do to um, what it would do to her body. Okay. So I would always recommend before embarking on an extended fast to do keto for a couple of weeks so that your body is already in fat burning mode, because that will make the fast easier. Because when you do an ex uh, like an extended fast, your body needs to enter into fat burning mode. Otherwise you're just going to suffer through the whole thing. So it's easier to go into ketosis so that when you start not eating, your body already has its fuel source. It's a lot easier. And then you also need electrolytes, like please like electrolytes. Do not just do it with water. It's not a good idea. You're going to suffer. So what's going to happen in four days of water fasting is a whole bunch of really cool things. So you are going to reset your gut bacteria. So what's going to happen is a die off of a lot of like yeasts, funguses, the bacterias that are not good, healthy in your gut will die because they are sugar fed. Mm -hmm. The second thing that's going to happen is you're going to drive down inflammation in all areas of your body. And that's amazing because inflammation is damaging. It's causing extra cortisol. And then your body's going to go into cleanup mode. So what's going to happen is we there's something called autophagy. And what that does is it is like your body's like vacuum cleaner. It like goes around and it like scoops up all the cells in your body that may have be, maybe old, they may be damaged, they may be precancerous because we all have like cancer in our bodies like all the time, right? Like we all have. Mm -hmm. Like that's just how cancer works. Our body, when our inflammation is manageable, just finds them and throws them away. Okay. Mm -hmm. So when we're fasting, it does this at like 16 X speed or even greater, this cleanup process. Uh, the other thing that the four day fasting does, which like an uh, intermittent fasting doesn't really do is mitochondrial cleanup. So mitochondria are the energy plants in your body. So if you have old damaged mitochondria, you might not have as much energy movement through your body that you would like and extended fasting cleans up the mitochondria and gets rid of the old damaged ones. And then uh, if you have autoimmune, because it drives inflammation down so far and it can do the cleanup, you can notice a substantial improvement in your autoimmune function or like autoimmune like symptoms. That being said, if you quit the fast and come right back into fasting, you will just kind of re-trigger them. Mm -hmm. uh, you can heal autoimmune or put autoimmune into remission is what like those symptoms into remission by stopping the trigger and finding the trigger. And then the fourth thing that is really cool is stem cells. So if you do a four or five day water fast, you get new stem cells being produced at a rapid rate and so if you have like an old sports injury that's been bugging you for years and years, you might find that on day three or four, that area of your body just starts aching. And then miraculously, a few days later, there's no pain and it's gone forever because you're like, you've heard of stem cell therapy, like people will get it injected into their knees because they have like really bad knees. Well, your body can do that 
when we do extended fasting. Um, yeah, and it drives down, like your A1C can come down substantially in four days. Yeah, it's really, it's a powerful tool that we can use. And then the detoxing, right? Like when we stop bombarding our body with food toxins, our body can move those out. So if you have toxins lingering in your body, those are just being moved out at, at an exponential rate. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Now I want to do a four day fast. <laughs> I'm going to do one, I think like in a week or two. Really? Yeah. We all try to do it with you and then we can support each other through it. Get <laughs> into ketosis. Need, I might need a little, a uh, little hand holding through that. that. <laughs> yeah. Fasting is such a powerful tool, but I always say, don't do it if your body doesn't want to, mm-hmm. because your body will fight against it. Even with, um, intermittent fasting. So I intermittent fast every day, as long as I don't wake up hungry. If I wake up hungry and I can't like take electrolytes and have that food noise go away, then I eat. I respect my body because when that hunger signal, it can literally be for hydration. So that's Mm -hmm. where I always start. I take a serving of electrolytes. And then if, you know, 15 minutes after I have that, if I'm still thinking about food, I'm going to feed my body. And so I think that no matter what fast you embark on, even if it's like the perfect time to do a four day water fast, if your body doesn't want to do it, don't because you're creating more stress, which is actually halting the benefits. Yeah. If that makes sense. It does. Right. Yeah, like as much as we're keeping fighting against it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the whole point is that it's supposed to be this like neutral space for it to heal and do other things. And again, not using it as a toxic, like a toxic tool, Mm -hmm. right? Like you can lose weight and sure you're going to lose weight in a four day water fast. You'll burn fat for energy, but that shouldn't be the intent behind the goal. Yeah. Right. The goal is, is the healing. It's the anti-cancer. It's the anti-Alzheimer's brain cleanup that we're autoimmune gut health. Like that's really what we're shooting for. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. All right. So one last question, if you could share one piece of advice or wisdom that has been pivotal in your journey of growth and spirit and resilience, what would it be? And how has it shaped who you are today? Understanding trauma responses. This has been like I have known about nutrition for a very long time and continually still found myself feeding my body foods that didn't work for my body because I didn't understand my trauma and change cycle. So when I started to understand what dysregulation looked like and where it could be coming from, and then also really embodying that I didn't hurt myself. Like I didn't do my trauma to myself. That was done to me mm-hmm. and it's not my fault. I can start looking at like my trauma cycles and shame cycles um, as no longer being my fault. Like when I used to go to like, say my emotions would get the best of me and I've been doing really well for months. And then all of a sudden I'm at, you know, the drive through getting junk food and garbage I would start into the shame cycle about like, why do you do this to yourself? Like, you know, better, like just the negative Mm -hmm. self-talk. 
And now I can say to myself instead, like, okay, like I'm feeling that pull to go to McDonald's and get this food. Like what, what is being triggered right now that I need to work through? When did I feel this feeling as a child? Or when was the first time I felt this feeling that I needed to suppress my emotions with food? Like when did that, when did that serve me? And does, and then I can say like, does that still serve me? Or is there another way for me to handle these emotions Mm -hmm. and just separating myself from the trauma because I had no idea how much of my life was a trauma response. Yeah. Yeah. Like well, I mean, looking back, I'm just like so much. Yeah. Well, we talked about this before a little bit, but like, I feel like it, there was a movie that had a quote and um, I can't remember the name of the movie, but they said that adulthood is just dealing with all the trauma that you had to deal with for 18 years is adulthood is just getting through all the trauma that you had to deal with for 18 years. And it's so powerful when you do like some inner child work, or when you work on, you know, healing some of those things that, you know, and it's an endless cycle. It's an endless cycle. I feel like even when you think, okay, I got this all under control <laughs> to go, like shit still pops up and you're still like, what? I didn't even realize that this was an issue for me. Um, it's, it's, it's an endless thing that you have to, to go through. Yeah, I, it is. It does feel endless. And I do have to like, I just want to say about trauma is everybody has trauma mm-hmm. and some people have big T and some people have little T. Um, but the reality is most of us have it. And so if we can just recognize where it still shows up in our life, right? Like from being in the overachiever to the underachiever, people pleasing, right? Like your parents could have been wonderful parents, but then your parents said to you, like, children are seen, not heard, right? Yeah. Or invalid or didn't validate your feelings. Like all these things trickle into our adult lives. And so when we can say, like, I I have this vision of who I am as a person, like who am I? Yeah. Like, because I have this person that I am on my best days. And she is not the person that I am on my worst days. Yeah. And so what, what is that gap, right? And that is where the healing lies is figuring out the gap between who you are when you feel like you're living authentically and the lump on the couch, like mm-hmm. what's in between is the, where the healing lies. Yeah. I love that. Yes. Amazing. So thank you so much. Um, one other thing that we have to talk about is huh. so Amy and I met in a, like I said before, a mastermind. And, um, that group was just incredible. And so five of us have gotten together and we've created a membership for women. So if, um, if some of our dialogue here today, it sounds like something that you're like, oh my gosh, these, this is an incredible discussion. This is just a taste of what we talk about in what we call the IWC, the intuitive wisdom circle. And so that encompasses five coaches and Amy and I are two of those coaches and it is just a really amazing community and I love the support and the growth and each month we have a topic that we talk about. Uh, This month is January, so we were talking about confidence. I think next month we're going to be talking about living in alignment um, in February and it is just such an incredible group. 
So yeah, if you are interested in joining the IWC, you can either go to Amy's profile or my profile and you can uh, find all the information about the IWC there. And what do you have to say? You look like you want to say something incredible about the IWC. So <laughs> I, you know, I just, I, I think that it's important that we talk about why we did it. Yeah. And, you know, as we are like into the age of Aquarius and we're into like even more Aquarian energy, yes. right? Like coming in hot together is how we need to learn to heal. Mm-hmm. Like we need to take healing out of the individual and bring it back into women doing it together. Yes. And healing the collective through our own healing. And just knowing that the way of, you know, the future, right? In the age of Aquarius is community, it's connection, it's finding your tribe. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that, um, you know, through my spiritual journey, that's one of the things that I felt was missing. I didn't feel like I had a whole lot of like-minded people to lean on, you know, as we were talking about, you know, just dealing with childhood trauma, dealing with things that come up for us, dealing with, you know, oh my gosh, this really triggered me today. And having that group and of those individuals that can have your back and talk through it with you, or, you know, just even, you know, like with our, with us, we, every once in a while, we'll lean on each other for like coaching advice or different things. But I feel like for the group in general, it is just, it, and they've even reached out, like, I, I'm thinking about starting a, a company. How do I do this? Do you guys have any advice about this? And mm-hmm. um, I just feel like it's just such an incredible community and the support and the love and the, I don't know, you just feel like you have somebody in your corner mm-hmm. and it's, it's kind of what I was searching for. Like I said, like that like-minded group that I could like lean on when I needed to. And it's just a really magical place. I love it so much. And so I'm so grateful that we all met. And um, I know Stephanie was one of the, she's one of the coaches and she was the one that kind of had this, this download that she wanted to do this. And we were all like, yes, yes, yes. This is so amazing. It's going to be incredible. So we jumped right in because we all just felt it. We knew it was needed and we knew mm-hmm. what we needed when we were going through. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like the One of the biggest yeah. things I was like, this is what I needed when I was going through my spiritual awakening. And now, I mean, like every day now I'm like, okay, I'm so grateful for that group because they're just cool. But, cool. and also like the classes have been fantastic as well. So a- each week, one of the coaches grabs that topic and then they do a class from their own perspective. Mm-hmm. So it is, uh, it's a pretty incredible little, uh, space. Yeah. I, I feel, I feel like protective of it, but I'm also like, Oh my God, it's, I want to shout it from the rooftops too. So it's, <laughs> it's really cool. Yeah. It is beautiful. It's a beautiful place for sure. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining us. And, um, if you haven't, figured out by now, Amy is an absolute badass at what she does. I mean, like just rattled off a ton of information for you guys on all the things, nutrition and women's health and hormones and everything in between. And, Mm -hmm. um, that's just the tip of the iceberg for all the, the knowledge that she has in there. So, um, so if you guys, if, how do people find you, how, if they want to, uh, get in touch with you and, how do they get a hold of you? Uh, I am on Amy Hume Wellness on all the socials. 
should find me. Okay. And there are some fake accounts, I guess, out there. So be careful. But amy.hume.wellness will help have you find me. No numbers. Um, if you want to send me an email and talk about what it might look like to work together, it's amy at shekitos. Um, because I predominantly use keto and keto tools. Yeah. Because they haven't failed me or my clients yet. <laughs> it's like yeah. like they like once you learn how to keto with your body, like you'll feel amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I will drop a link for all of Amy's uh, handles and everything else in the show notes below as well. So, so thank you so much, Amy, for being thank on. Thank you for having me. It was so fun. Sharing your knowledge and your time and the space. I really appreciate it. And yeah. I just love you so much. Thank you so much. I love you so much too. Here. Okay. Right. Thanks guys. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Flourish and Thrive podcast. I hope you found our conversation inspiring and thought-provoking. Remember, life is a journey, and it's okay to stumble along the way. What truly matters is that you keep moving forward, embracing each experience as an opportunity to learn, grow, and most importantly, to flourish. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Your feedback fuels the growth of this podcast and helps me reach more listeners who can benefit from our discussions. You can stay connected to our community by following me on social media at rock underscore this out or rock this out on TikTok. And don't forget to share your thoughts and insights with us. I love hearing from you. Until next time, continue to nurture your well-being, chase your dreams, and most importantly, thrive in every aspect of your life. Take care and remember your potential is endless. The Flourish and Thrive podcast is hosted by Donna Evans, a certified life coach and Reiki master. Be sure to tune in for our next episode where we'll explore new avenues of growth, empowerment, and well-being. Until then, flourish and thrive.